By this time it was noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshipped God and said, Surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. Caleb can get distracted at times um, when he's walking. He'll look over his shoulder, he'll look down at his feet, he, he'll just be looking up at the sky. And, and But the consequence of that, though, is he often continues walking. Now, if you continue walking and you're not watching where you're going, there is a good chance that you'll run into something. And I've seen it on a number of occasions where Caleb has walked into a cupboard, he's walked into a chair, he's walked into other people, he's walked into a wall, and the wall doesn't move, it's there, but just totally oblivious to being there because of his attention is, is, is looking down. And, and we, we have the same problem at times because we can get caught in the fact that we are, um, we are looking down. Uh, you know, we're a look down world. We, we look down because of our work. We look down because of our responsibility. We can look down because of fear in our lives. We can look down because of um, pain and hurt in our lives. Uh, we can even look down just because of distraction. And in our world, we see um, that they've set up around the world places where when on crossings for, for trains and buses and, and roads where they've actually got lights and messages on the ground so that people who are looking at their phone won't walk in front of a bus. And going back to the passage that was read just a little while ago, what we see is the, um, I suppose, an idea of looking down as well, because the crowd who had gathered that day to be to watch what was happening were probably a little bit astounded by all the events. The fact that there was a relatively good man on the cross and there was quite a crowd there and there was quite, was quite a a spectacle in some ways. And, and all the things that happen around leading up to the cross, the sky going dark and, and other things happening as well. Even the interaction between Jesus and the thieves and Jesus and the religious leaders all occurred before the, the, all the people gathered. And by the end of it, I think they were surprised that it hadn't finished and it hadn't finished so quickly. They were shocked that Jesus had died. I don't know if they were expecting a different outcome, but what we see in those verses was that the people went home in deep sorrow. And I can just imagine them trudging home, that slow trudge of, of arms hanging by themselves, head bowed low, and, and whether it was by themselves or whether it was a group of people, the conversation would have been sparse. And they would have just looked down in that deep sorrow as they moved back to their homes. The disciples, a few that had gathered there, and the women who had followed Jesus were in a different boat altogether because Luke actually refers to them that they stood at a distance watching. I think in part they were they were frozen by their grief. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know what action they should take. They didn't know what to make of what had happened in front of them. All of a sudden, the one that they put all their hope in was gone. 
all of a sudden the one that they had believed their future on was no was dead hanging on a cross for their actions they didn't know whether they should sort of fight to sort of against the injustice of what happened to Jesus or or run and hide and and flee from the possibility of it happening to them but they stood at a distance watching I can see them just gazing off into the distance and and not really taking it all in it too much as as grief kind of put them in a sense of shock. So today I want to do something that maybe the people on that first Good Friday missed. Maybe something that we miss as well. Instead of looking down and, and feeling the sorrow of this day, the agony and the suffering of this day, I want us to intentionally look up. I want us to look up in such a way that we actually take in all that happened on the cross and especially the one who was on the cross. Um, Paul actually shares in Galatians 6.14, But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You see, Paul sort of says, my world, my life is shaped because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because of that, that is the one thing I will boast about. That is the one thing I will declare about. And in fact, when you look at that word boast, it actually sort of says, means to hold your head high. And so when you hold your head high, you will look up. You will be able to do that. And so today, as we as we look at the cross and take all the aspects into our lives, I pray that you are challenged um, and, and remember again what Jesus has done for us on the cross. When we look up at the cross, we actually look upon the Lamb. And, and this becomes something that's really important because we actually see John the Baptist um, first make this claim in, in, in John uh, 1 uh, verse 29. It says, Behold the Lamb of God uh, who takes away the sin of the world. Now, I'm not sure about you, but that's probably not the best intro that I'd like someone to do about me. I'd really like people to sort of talk me up and say he's a funny guy or, or he's really good or um, like whatever else. And, and maybe John the Baptist could have done a better job with Jesus as well. Hey, he's the coolest guy ever. Or, hey, here's Jesus. He has got the best party tricks in the world. Hey, invite him over to your barbecue and just have one sausage and see what he does with it. Or even, hey, this is Jesus. If you want to meet someone who's really, really connected, this is the guy. But no, John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb. And before you get down on John too much, though, what we need to realize that there was a greater significance in what he said. Now, question for you. Where was Jesus born? If you said Bethlehem, you're right. Um, if you got it wrong, um, Sunday school class is open for you when we get back together because that was a no-brainer. And But Bethlehem is, is quite a significant place, not just because it's the place that Jesus is born. Um, what we need to realize is that um, as we look upon the Lamb, we we have this idea where um, that Bethlehem becomes a central part of all this whole idea because Bethlehem is not only significant for Jesus' birth, but it's also significant because it was where King David was originally from. And King David, the David and Goliath David, um, he, he grew up there and he grew up there as a shepherd looking after his father's sheep. And so we take that aspect, but then also... When we look at the Christmas story again, what we find is that the shepherds who were there were also looking after their sheep at Bethlehem. So why is it all significant? So let me put it together this way. Jerusalem, it was a little bit north of Bethlehem. Jerusalem was the capital city of Israel, and in the capital city was the temple of the Jews. It was a place where they would sacrifice um, 
make their sacrifices to become right with God, to wash away their sins. And so in doing that, basically Bethlehem became the supplier of all the sheep and lambs for the temple sacrifice. So all the sheep that were bred in Bethlehem were bred for that purpose. And see, this becomes the kicker that the fact that Jesus was born in Bethlehem because he was born to be a sacrifice. He was born to be the lamb that would be the ultimate lamb that would wash away all our sins. He was born to be the price of our reconciliation before God, born to be the payment of our sins. Um, 1 Peter uh, 1, 18 and 19 says it this way, For you know that God paid a ransom to save. Now, I've left a blank space there because I want you to put your name in there. It's meant to say you, but I want you to personalize a little bit. For I know that God paid a ransom to save Keith from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. Ancestors, And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lost, lose value in, it is, was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. See, it is because of the price he paid that I can say this next thing. Look up at the one who welcomes us. See, the cross all of a sudden basically opened a door wide to everyone and anyone who desired to be a part of God's family. But this was the way that Jesus acted already. Look at the one who ate with sinners and welcomed outsiders. Look at the one who said, let the little children come unto me. Look at the one who um, never forced himself on anyone, but would welcome anyone and listen to everyone. Even on the cross, Jesus showed this pattern because on the cross earlier on in Luke 23, we see the two thieves that are hanging either side of Jesus and, and, and a, a sort of a discussion argument sort of ensues. And basically one of them sort of says that Jesus doesn't deserve to be there. We do. We deserve to be on the cross. And in so doing, what's happened is that um, then he turned to Jesus and said, oh, Jesus, um, when you enter your kingdom, may please remember me. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. What Jesus is essentially saying, today you are welcomed into my family. Today you are welcomed into my kingdom. Today you are welcomed by me. I welcome you. And the only reason he can welcome you, because we jump back to that previous one is that he has washed away the sins of the world he's washed away our sins and all of a sudden we become welcome to jesus this was the length and depth that jesus would go to welcome us into his family into his kingdom and into his life for all this to happen though we do need to look up at his sacrifice i know for some of you it can be difficult to focus on this aspect of of good friday to, to know that jesus did this for you the flip side of that is, is true, though, is that we can find a sense of joy in this because Jesus did all that he did on Good Friday for me and for you. It was personal for him. It wasn't some abstract thought. Our, our names, our lives were on his mind as he went through that process. He was battered and beaten, abused and abandoned, but we had this one motivation that was key to part of what he was doing. And John, uh, 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love that he laid his life down for us. See, this becomes a key in what's happening because all of a sudden we know exactly why Jesus went through the suffering of, of the cross and, and, and the death that followed. He all did that all because he loved us. And it is so personal because of that. So all of a sudden our sins are washed away. We are welcomed in the kingdom because he was so loving, willing to go through this process and go through the sacrifice. His execution was ordered and he, he carried his cross through the winding streets of Jerusalem and he could not bear the cross 
because he was so tired and beaten and bruised. And so someone else carried his cross up into um, uh, Calvary. And they put his body down on the cross and they laid his arms out and, and with the nails the Romans used, they attached him to the cross. It is strange in a way that by his wounds we are healed. It's a, it's a beautiful mystery. Um, that the streams of blood from the crown of thorns and from the nails would actually be the process by which our sins are washed away. And a few moments later, or maybe more than a few moments, but Jesus breathed his last and it is finished. His sacrifice is complete. And we, we need to hold this suffering in our heart because it does create an overwhelming sense of gratitude and humility. But at the same time, don't miss what we came here to see today. Don't sort of look down and, and maybe shame that Jesus had to do that for you. He had to do that for each one of us. I'm not denying that at all, but what we need to realise is that we still need to look up because today we look up and boast on the cross of Christ and we determine to know nothing else but Christ Jesus crucified. We put our trust in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. See, we can look up and, and as he declares us forgiven. We can look up as he bears our every sorrow and every grief. We can look up as he removes all the guilt and shame and the penalty of our sin. We can look up at the one that says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We can look up and know not only um, is the cross empty, but the tomb is empty as well. And we can look up and declare, as Paul says, um, I am crucified with Christ. I am, it's no longer I that live, but I am crucified with Christ. And so today, as we remember the cross, as we remember all that Jesus done for us, I challenge you to look up to the cross and remember that you are welcome, that you are forgiven, your sins are washed away because Jesus was the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for our sins. And so I pray that as you remember this, that you are challenged, if it's the first time you're hearing some of this, I challenge you to get into some of the scripture stories around it um, in all the Gospels that look at the story of, of, of Good Friday and Easter and what Jesus did for us. He did it for you. He did it for me. And so we can look up and boast in the cross of Jesus Christ, not because of our own work, but because of the mighty work of Jesus Christ. Let's just take a moment to pray. Well, I thank you that um, we can stand here and boast, not in our own ability, but, but because of the great work that you did on the cross. You were willing to go to the cross, um, one, because you were the only one qualified. You were the Lamb of God. You were born to be our sacrifice. But in saying that, Lord, you desired to go there for your love for us. Because you loved us and you wanted to welcome us into your kingdom, you went to the cross in, in a way that um, and, and suffered in such a way that we can stand and look up and boast on the cross of Jesus Christ. We can be transformed as we look at the cross and our lives are changed by it. And so, Lord, I pray that we are like Paul and we are challenged to boast in the cross of Christ, that we can look up and, and know all the things that you have for us and that we are able to, um, to follow that through. I pray that this day is a reminder again to us of, of what you have done for us. And I pray that again, as we gather again on Sunday, that you would remind us of the victory that you show in our life, not just over sin, but over death as well. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, I hope you can join us um, in a few days' time for Easter Sunday. Um, it's going to be great sharing with you. Uh, hope you're all doing well, and we'll catch up with you in a few days.
Bueno, 